Hello everybody, this is Sarah and you're listening to Forgive Everyone for Everything Every Day Right Away. This is episode number 32, Men versus Women. <laughs> um, so this is actually a talk that I gave at my church last weekend. A little bit of backstory, I had was having some communication issues with my husband about a month ago and just like got really frustrated with, um, you know, men and women and how different we seemed and why couldn't we understand each other? Why did he think so differently than me? And so I ended up texting my pastor and mentor and I asked him, I said, can you do like a sermon on a Sunday coming up and just talk about the differences between men and women, you know, biblically and and everything and, and just, you know, so we can figure out how to better understand each other and relate to one another. And so his response was, why don't you do it? <laughs> so I said, okay, fine, I will. <laughs> so I did. So I just want to share with you what I researched and what I learned. And so this is the talk that I gave on Sunday. And I pray that what I have to say today brings you another step closer to Jesus and what he wants for your life in his kingdom. So the differences between men and women. Now, if you look it up, you can find a lot of differences between men and women, scientifically, hormonally, behaviorally, etc. And there are so many stereotypes that we see in the world, in society, and how we're taught growing up in school, in you know shows and movies, things passed down from our parents and their parents. Things like, oh, women are just more nurturing. Oh, men don't remember anything. Oh, women remember everything. Oh, women talk more. Uh, men just want to fix everything. Uh, all men care about is sex. Uh, men lack compassion and empathy. Women are more compassionate and empathetic. Men are more aggressive. Women are so emotional. Men are more into looks. Women are more into personality. Men like blue. Women like pink. You know, all these, all these worldly stereotypes. And then there's some science and biology, of course. Like, sure, you know, our brains are a little different. It is actually proven that women do remember better because that part of our brains actually developed differently. So ladies, we can stop being mad at our men when they don't remember. It's actually not their fault. <laughs> um, you know, men are stronger physically. They have more muscle and their bones are denser. Uh, women tend to have stronger immune systems. Um, you know, once once boys hit puberty, if they're healthy, they actually maintain a level of hormones pretty steadily throughout life. Women, obviously, we cycle for several decades. And then when we stop cycling, when we hit menopause, again, if we're healthy and everything's working properly, we actually steady out much like men. And so in all of this, I thought I was going to research this and talk about our differences and how we could use that information to better understand and relate to one another. I looked, you know, I read some science, I listened to some TED Talks, I 
read scripture, and here's the conclusion that I came to. All this difference stuff, so what? There's really only one thing that matters, and it's only the most important thing, that we are all, men and women, the same in our identity in Christ. Jesus never differentiated between man and woman when it came to saving us and telling us who we were created to be in his image. So even in Ephesians, when Paul talks about men love your wives and women respect your husbands, he's not saying women don't love your husbands and men don't respect your wives. It's both. It's all of it. It's equal. And then I thought about like, it has to start with ourselves first, not in a selfish way, but in a way that if we don't know who we are first, then we're not going to recognize who our partner is. And I could give all sorts of advice on how to communicate better, like men, be better listeners, okay? (laughs) And give more massages. (laughs) Women, lift your men up and encourage them more with your words, especially when it feels difficult to do so. But if we get this one and only concept, our identity, when we know who we are, when we accept it and we believe it with all of our mind, heart, and soul, all these things will start to fall into place and all of our relationships will get better. But how? How do we start? And so I came up with several things and for whatever reason, they all start with C. (laughs) So the first one's courage. And in Deuteronomy 31, it says, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid for the Lord your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So have courage. Be bold to to take that first step into making the commitment to study and learn and live into this more and more every day. Which leads me to commitment. And in 1 Kings 8, it says, May your hearts be fully committed to the Lord our God, to live by his decrees and obey his commands. Just commit. Like, it is not as complicated as we like to make it. From now on, starting today, I will choose to believe what he says about who I am. Period. And with that comes change. I love Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We're a new being, a new creation. Chase him and what he says about us. And our mind and heart will change. Then there's compassion. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4. Compassion for ourselves, for our mistakes, for our missteps, our humanness, other people's humanness, with no judgment. And with all of this will come confidence. In 2 Chronicles 32, it says, With us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles and the people gained confidence. So we got to practice this stuff. With practice, we gain confidence. And this shows. It shows in the words we speak, 
how we carry ourselves, how we treat others, and our ability to influence others. Five years ago, I remember being in a Bible study, and I remember sitting there and thinking, watching the woman leading the Bible study and thinking like, wow, she's so confident and she's so amazing. Like, I hope I can do this someday. And then here I am, five years later, like, wow, a lot can change when you commit, have the courage to commit, you learn about your identity, you live into it, you have compassion for yourself and others, and then practice it. Practice all these things. And then we can start to become what he created us to be, what he died for us to become. And in every situation, we start to think like him and act like him. What would he do? What would he say? And so here is, are just some of the things that the Bible says about you, your identity as a believer, not men, not women, but you. Just listen to some of these descriptions. Accepted. Doers of the word. Complete. Chosen. Blameless. Blessed. Faithful. Fruitful. Forgiven. Holy. Justified, glorious, loved, pure in heart, perfect, saved, saint, temple of God, treasure of God, undefiled, mighty, victorious, like, wow. So most of us, or many, at, at least in our church, I, I was talking about how most of us have heard our pastor teach us where our, our thoughts come from. They come from our brains, our experiences and things. They come from God or they come from the enemy. So I want to give you another way to look at it. We have the primitive animal brain, if you will, and we have the reasoning thinking part of our brain. And I like to imagine it's like a parent-toddler relationship. And the toddler, the animal primitive brain, its job is to simply survive. It's not reasoning and it's not thinking. It's reacting. And yes, sometimes this is important for our survival, but here's the problem. We need to use that other part of our brain, that thinking and reasoning part, to supervise it. Otherwise, left unsupervised, what happens? Chaos, tantrums, <laughs> overindulging. It's like the toddler running around with the knife on unlimited sugar. <laughs> so it's those thoughts. It comes back to those thoughts. We're running through life with this unconscious programming, these unconscious thoughts that we're adopting as fact that are creating the results in our lives without supervision, without awareness of where these thoughts are coming from. We're either not aware, or even if we are aware, we're just accepting them as fact. 
instead of realizing they're optional. So every single thought that runs through our brain, thousands every day, think about the ones that we just dismiss, like a commercial or an ad on YouTube. It's like the thought comes in, it goes right back out. Other thoughts might come in and we might actually notice them and just say, thanks, but no thanks. And then other thoughts come in and we latch on and we adopt them as fact. Why? It's what we choose to focus on. But if you're not supervising it, you're not even aware that it's a choice. So I have kind of a weird example for you, but I think it kind of demonstrates this concept really well. But you can apply it to any thought. So last weekend I was driving home. I had taken three teenagers to the beach by myself for three days and we're driving home and we're on I-95. And it's a long trip. The kids are complaining. There's a lot of traffic. We've got sand in our toes. You know, we're all really tired. And I'm driving along and I just kind of look over in the median at all these big trees and this thought pops into my brain. And the thought was, I could just drive off the freeway, head on into that big tree, and just be done with it. Now, I can do a few different things with this thought. I can focus on it. I can start daydreaming about it and create this whole story in my mind about it, detailed and everything. Or I could then judge myself for it. I could think I was a horrible person for even thinking it. Like what kind of horrible mother thinks about driving her car into a tree? Or I could just let the thought pass on through. It's just a thought and it doesn't mean anything unless I make it. So every single thought or sentence that enters our minds, we have the choice to one, focus on it, two, judge ourselves for it, or three, say no thanks. So another thing I noticed that's important when it comes to supervising your thoughts and living into and understanding and accepting your identity. It's that we're created by him and we have always been, are, and always will be loved. We will never be more loved than we are right now. And we always have been and we always will be. We, that voice that tells us that we aren't, that we're not loved, that we'll never be good enough, that we're too messed up, that we've messed up too much to be loved or worthy. Lies, lies. And we need to stop indulging in that. When we focus on that lie, we make excuses for our ungodly behavior. Let me say that again. When we focus on the lies, that we're not good enough, that we're not the things he says we are, from that list I read, then we make excuses for our ungodly behavior. So what beliefs are we carrying around with us that are not true, that are not in line with the identity that he says we are. 
What beliefs are we carrying around that aren't serving us? Maybe something like, I'm not good enough. I'll never figure this stuff out. It's too hard. It's meant for them, not me. I'm not strong enough. What are you focusing on? What are you believing? And do you recognize that it's optional? Every single thing that you choose to focus on, you can find evidence to prove it. But guess what? You can also find evidence to disprove it. So we've got to start deciding on purpose what we want to focus on. And it all comes back to knowing and accepting our identity so we can live into it. When we know who we are and our husbands forget who they are, we as wives, we're the light that brings them back. When we forget who we are and our husbands don't, when they remember who they are, they're the light that brings us back. And I love this about marriage and I call it a dance. It's a dance. Jesus is the leader. He's teaching us the steps. And yes, in the beginning, when we're first learning to dance, we're stepping on each other's toes a lot. We get frustrated and we want to quit. (laughs) But it takes practice every day and every day will get better and better. And the dance will stop looking awkward and will start looking more fluid and elegant. And yes, life throws stuff at us that tries to knock us out of harmony. But when we are focused on who we are, we will pick ourselves up and we will dance again. And everyone's different. Don't compare your dance to my dance. God gave you your dance partner. Learn to dance with them. And I won't lie and say it's easy. Well, actually, I hope it is easy for you. Maybe you learned more about dancing from birth than I did. But if it's not easy for you, you're not alone. Even as I was researching this and preparing this, I was having a hard time with the dance steps. And so was my husband. We were stepping on each other's toes. (laughs) But we have designated Jesus as our dance teacher, as our leader, And you know what? We don't look like beginners anymore. We are learning how to dance and dance well. So that's what I have for you today, my friends. And I hope this talk about men, women, and just identity, knowing your identity, believing what he says about you, learning how to manage all those thoughts and sentences that come into your mind, understanding that you have a choice of what you want to do with those thoughts, but basing that on who he says you are, that's what I want you to get from this talk. All right, my friends, I will talk to you next time. Bye.